never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the show that knows you don't simply MacGyver your way through a Stargate. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, man. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. How, uh, about, you? how about yourself? We're, well, we're recording a little early, so I feel like we were just here. And um, <laughs> it, it's been a shorter time than normal when we start talking. So anything Absolutely. exciting going on? Or how was your weekend? <laughs> Um, not really. Uh, the weekend was mostly busy with like family stuff. Um, sure. We went to the trampoline park, so that was pretty awesome. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, nothing super exciting besides that. I uh, haven't had the chance to see Morbius yet, unfortunately. Oh, okay. I was going to say that was, that was my big question because um, I should have asked you before we started hit the record button. But, uh, it's all good. I, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out what I can and cannot say now. So, all right. I gotcha. That's fair. Um, well, how about this? Since you brought that up, what are you watching? What are you reading? And we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned we're recording a little early, I think. Um, and uh, I haven't had the chance to watch a lot. Uh, the one thing I have been watching a little, though, is uh, I, st- I did start watching Inventing Anna, um, which you oh, kind yeah. of suggested a couple weeks ago. Um and yeah, so far, I think it's a pretty interesting show. Like, it's a pretty engrossing look into this girl's way to, like, fake herself into, like, all these elite, like, super rich uh, circles of ind- individuals <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, the one thing I keep wondering about, because the way the way you watch the show, you're kind of watching it from the perspective of... Uh, the sort of journalist who kind of sets out to like document like Anna's story and stuff like that. And yeah. I keep wondering if it would be more interesting if you watched it from Anna's perspective or not. And I'm not, I'm not really sure. And I think by the time I finish watching the show, I'll have more of, of an opinion on that. But I think there's all these moments where I feel like Anna, the main character is being like super conniving with how, um, you know, different friendships she makes and then betra- and then, you know, how she betrays certain people and stuff and how she you can recognize that drive in her that she's doing what must be done to get to the top, you know, and like her goal comes first, her emotions come second. But I feel like they're not um, playing that up enough because oh, the way okay. the show is presented is like you're watching this journalist get all the facts of of the story and then you're getting flashbacks shown while she discovers different stuff and you know things aren't necessarily in linear order and stuff like that and I, I guess that's my one thing is I keep wondering like would this be more would this like resonate more emotionally if 
it was shown in chronological order and I don't really know. And that's one of those things like I think I'm four or five episodes in at this point. So I think okay. once I finish the series, um, I'm going to have more of an opinion on that. But I do think it is a really cool series. It's It's been really fun to watch. Um, I also like like Drew just to kind of clue you in where I where I've left off with the show. Um, let's see. So Anna is starting the Anna Delvey Foundation, which is kind yeah. of her private like nightclub art social okay. club, whatever. And she's trying to sort of con her way into getting that crazy like historic like awesome looking building to be the headquarters for her club so I've, I've kind of left off there where she's kind of trying to get through all the real estate hoops and stuff to do that um but what i was gonna say is it's pretty interesting like <laughs> the fact that she was uh like crashing on the couch of the guy who was the uh organizer of Firefest. <laughs> like yeah. I wasn't expecting that at all. And there's another line in one of the episodes where she meets a lawyer or something. And uh, there's a line where like that lawyer is like Martin Screlly's lawyer or whatever. And that was the guy who um, I remember he like jacked up the price of some like AIDS medication super high. And he was just another mm-hmm. one of these really rich kids that everybody on the internet hated for a hot minute. And uh, it's kind of funny to watch the show and hear these real world names just like oh interesting she had like an association with this person and like I don't know I think on the timeline of cultural events it's kind of fun to watch that show um you know keeping all the events of the last you know five to ten years or so in mind while you watch through it if that makes sense no it makes perfect sense um I was gonna say you said you're like four or five episodes in yeah I'm gonna say there's a point where I feel like the story is going to flip in the favor of what you're saying in a, okay. in a way. But I can tell you that it all, you know how it always very cleverly says at the beginning of each episode, um, everything is true except for the parts that aren't right. Um, the, the whole, the only source material is the articles that were written by the journalist for this story. And then the interviews that were conducted. So the whole thing was based off the articles that were written by the journalist. Okay. Which um, makes sense why they show it from the more from the journalist perspective. So that right. does make sense. Uh, uh, what we're going to say, though, the uh, what's interesting to say that is that, you know, when you're thinking about what's true, what's real and what's not in the realm of it being a true story, there's a lot of like dialogue exposition scenes where I'm pretty sure several bits <laughs> of dialogues are written or fictional dialogue because there's no way anyone would have known what those conversations really were. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, you write that, but then you get all these like real stuff. Did you get to the part where she stole a plane yet? No. Okay. <laughs> that sounds pretty, pretty exciting. Though. It's it's a really, it's a really funny moment, but that's the thing. Like there's these big moments that happen and you're just like, Oh my God. Like the fact that this all happened is the real. Yeah. You know, like that's the I mean, yeah, they might fudge a line of dialogue here or there just for the sake of the dialogue. But at the end of the day, like, like all of this happened, you know, <laughs> and that's so. what I think. I feel like the strength of it is like this is like a really crazy situation that did happen. Um, but I think the parts that I'm wishing they played up more is like uh, so there's the character uh, Val and he was like kind of like her best friend to an extent and helps her out mm. so much. And it comes to a point where she abandons that friendship and she kind of betrays that. And I feel like they should have 
played that up a lot more than they did. Cause like emotionally, yeah. at least for me, it didn't resonate as much as it should. And then there's another mm-hmm. point where she kind of betrays, uh, her boyfriend to like, you know, move on to the next step of her journey. And I kind of wish they did the same thing. And I'm wondering if they're kind of leaving a lot of Anna's past and stuff as a big mystery. And I just kind of feel like, I wonder if I knew more of like her past and where she came from. If, if I felt like more in on, you know, her motivations, maybe some of these emotional beats would hit harder for me. But again, like, sure. Like you said, it sounds like the show takes a turn. And by the time I actually finish watching it, I might have a completely different opinion on that. Right. Yeah, so. I hear. I totally hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, interesting. OK, well, yeah. I'll, all I'm going to say is keep watching. <laughs> Fair enough. So. That sounds good. Uh, uh, anything else that you watched? No, that's that's honestly it. Um, OK. Yeah, I wish I was just wishing I had the chance to see Morbius, but I've just <laughs> I've just been busy. So um, I'll probably have seen it by the time you we record our next episode. But yeah, okay. we'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> okay. uh, how about you? Well, OK, should I talk about Morbius first? I watched a couple things. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, I, it's well, up to you. <laughs> all right. So since you haven't watched Morbius yet and your review is very limited because I don't want to spoil the movie for you. Um. I'll say this. Morbius is not getting the best reviews right now. And yeah. um, it's it's getting a lot of like reviews saying it's clunky. It's the worst comic book movie ever. Um, or it's the worst comic book movie since the last Fantastic Four film. That kind of thing. I'll say this. Morbius as a character for me, as a comic book reader, like many char- comic book characters, are side characters. They're, they're villains or they're uh, supporting characters. It's very rare that... like. You know, I read my Spider-Mans and Batmans and X-Men's and uh, Avengers. But, you know, when you read a team book like Avengers, Doctor Strange is a side character. If you want more Doctor Strange, you got to go read Doctor Strange. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Morbi- my interaction with Morbius was always in relation to the Spider-Man comics. Um, yeah. He was never like a main character. This is Morbius as a main character. This is Morbius as a uh, origin story. Um, as a whole... I thought the movie was fairly decent. Like I was in it from the beginning to end. Like there was no point where I fell out of it. There was no point where I was like not liking the movie. There was no point where I wasn't enjoying what I was watching. Um, And it's really interesting to see how they took a character that is essentially, you know him to be a villain, but he also has this, he's kind of more of an anti-hero like Venom where he's a villain, but he's still got this good side to him. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, it's really interesting to watch this movie because you're like, oh, man, he's total villain, whatever. And then there's like there's a couple lines of dialogue. We're like, no, he totally understands that he turned himself into something by mistake and he messed up and he's trying to fix the mistake. And then there's all this other stuff is going on and he's got to deal with that stuff while dealing with his own stuff. Like it's kind of the way the move, the story of the film was kind of weaved, I thought was kind of smart. Um, yeah. There is two pieces of criticism, I will say. Uh, piece of criticism one, there is some not so great people CG, if you will. Okay. Um, and the reason I say that is because um, do you remember when uh, remember the Matrix sequels where they had to like CG Neo? Yeah. And you could tell that it wasn't Neo. 
there's a couple shots where you could be like, <laughs> that is not the best person, people CG that I've seen. Um, so that's one criticism, but it's also, I'm willing to let it go for the sake of the cool moment that happened, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. it's, it's dark enough, like the, the, what was going on on screen is dark enough when that happens they do it a couple times, but when it's when it happens, it's dark enough that you can't pick out all the details. So for the untrained eye, you might not know that that was CG. I could tell, but it didn't take me out of the movie at all. I was just like, OK, that was a cool moment. You know what I mean? And you let it and you let it ride. Um, so I can I, I can pick that apart a little bit, but I caught it because I'm trained to see it, I guess. <laughs> Um, my other piece of criticism was I felt that the ending was a little abrupt. Now, when I, after just thinking it through and kind of processing the movie, the ending didn't feel that abrupt as I, as it sat with me for a little while. Okay. Like, like uh, leave, walking out of the theater, getting in the car, driving home a couple hours later, still thinking about it. It just seemed more of a general thing. Um, so yeah, um, the big thing, the big thing about this movie is the ending bonus scenes, multiple bonus scenes. There's two, there is not one. I'll save you this time. There is not a bonus scene at the end of the credits. There's a bonus scene partway into the credits. And then there's a bonus scene a little farther into the credits, but not all the way at the end. So once you see the sec, once you see the second bonus scene, you can get them. Um, okay, nice. <laughs> uh, just to give you that heads up, um, the bonus scenes are incredibly important for moving forward. The bonus scenes are incredibly important to the connected universe, whether it be the Spider Verse, MCU, the whole ball of wax moving forward. Incredibly important. Um, I have seen complaints about the bonus scene, how it doesn't line up with certain things. And I argue that um, it's incorrect um, because the people on the internet, the way they're arguing about it, it's as if they understand how magic works better than Dr. Strange understands how magic works. And, <laughs> and at the end of the day, you got to remember, this is a comic book movie, fictional characters, and you can't argue magic with science. So, yeah. Um, but, Interesting. Uh, and I don't want to spoil those bonus scenes for you because I honestly feel the big spoiler moments are those bonus scenes. Um, okay. <laughs> like you watch the trailer, you have a pretty good idea what you're getting yourself into. Um, if I spoil those bonus scenes, I feel like I'm going to be ruining the movie. Um, I gotcha. The, uh, but yeah, no, overall I enjoyed the movie. Jared Leto was really good too. And Matt Smith, uh, who, uh, he, from Doctor Who, he's in the movie. He's awesome. Like he is so nice. good. He is so good. He's a really good actor in general, but he is so good in this movie. He's definitely one of the best um comic book character type characters in terms of like in terms <laughs> of comic book movies, it's like one of the best performances in my opinion. So oh, awesome. Um, so yeah, Matt Smith was great. Um but yeah, so Morbius, go check it out. I can't wait to hear what you got to say. And we'll talk about the bonus scenes a little bit more um, after you see those. Um, Absolutely. I, um, oh, no, I was just going to mention, which I don't think um, I like never look at Rotten Tomatoes for opinions on movies at all. But 
I know this one's like got a pretty crazy um, disparity between critics and audience. So I thought I'd look it up and the critics have given this movie a 16% and the audience score is 70%. So that's 16 and 70. So that's a pretty big yeah, <laughs> disparity there. And seeing that, it sounds like the audiences don't necessarily think this movie's that bad when it comes down to it. No. Um, and my, when I say, so for me, critics that I listen to, IGN is one that I like to read, um, comicbook.com, comic book resources. There are sites that I trust in terms of reviews and there's sites that I don't. And there are critics in terms of mainstream media, like mainstream, like, you know, like Fox is going to like Fox News is like, hey, you know, here's our movie guy to give her his reviews. And you're like, yeah, he has no clue what he's talking about. Like, <laughs> um, you know, that kind of stuff. If you listen when you start listening to them, it's like they I just don't know if they like movies. So um, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not throwing Fox under the bus. It's like the mainstream ones that. I feel like a certain generation pays attention to like those critics. I just don't think like movies anymore. I really don't know. You know what I mean? So there's certain, it depends on what it is. If you're looking at nerd culture movie, don't go to like mainstream media, go, you gotta, you gotta look deeper and find like the people who actually like are fans of this genre to give you a legitimate review. You know what I mean? Um, so that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, yeah no. absolutely. I th I think I mean I think that opens a huge ball of worms. But I definitely like I'm pretty <laughs> much on the same page. But there's also like debates for both sides of that coin. But that's like I feel like a conversation for a different episode, <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. Um. So also, um, I learned this week that there is wow, watching and reading is going a little long, but that's okay. Um, I learned this week that there is a Stargate channel. Um, uh, oh, right. <laughs> um, I was poking around on the Internet and I saw new Stargate channel, Stargate only channel. That's how it was like the article or whatever. And I'm like, well, what is this? So I'm going to tell you how this works. If you go on your smart TV and you search for the app Pluto TV and you download it, it's a free app. It's a free service. <laughs> I literally downloaded it and hit go and it opened and it automatically opened the Stargate channel. And nice. um, now I'm a big fan of the series Stargate. It is if you want to put this into perspective, it is three movies, three television shows between the three shows. It's 17 seasons for one of them, five seasons for one of them and two seasons for the other one. In total, it's like 348 hours of content. <laughs> um, I've watched it in chronological order through twice. Um, and it's awesome. I love it. It's one. Of, I think it's one of the best science fiction series out there. So for having that much content, they have their own channel. So if you go to Pluto yeah. TV, Pluto TV the guide for it looks very much like a standard television guide, like a Comcast or not a direct TV or whatever. It just has like regular TV channels and it's all free to watch. They have a channel that is Stargate 24 seven, 24 seven. And um, over the course of the weekend, I threw it on a couple of times, literally just for background noise. Yeah. And it's just on and it just rolls episode after episode, throw in a movie back to episodes after episode. It'll do like three or four episodes from one show, jump over to the other show, do like 
five or six of that show jump over to another show. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Um, the only conundrum I have with it is there's commercials. That's all. Right. You know, like, take the commercials <laughs> out and it'd be perfect. But the fact that I have, like, Stargate at all times, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. I was catching up on my DVR, and my DVR is four episodes away from being clear. And that's weird. Um, and I realized, how is my DVR not getting more and more stuff? Oh, yes, because I pretty much only watch streaming things now. Um, yeah. But I was getting caught up on The Resident. I've talked about how I like that show. And there keeps being commercials for music competition shows. And I cannot tell you how bored to tears I am <laughs> with music competition shows, let alone <laughs> reality competition shows in general. It's unbelievably ridiculous how much of that stuff there is. And the fact that people continue to watch it blows my mind. Um, so, yeah, I would it's rather, crazy. <laughs> so I would rather have a Stargate channel that I could just throw on and just let run all day than watch the majority of anything else on television. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. with, the, with the with the music competition shows, like I remember when The Voice first came out and they would have the weird like singing showdowns where it would have the two people singing back and forth. And the way they would film it, they were almost trying to make it look like a fight scene or a dance off or something. Right. And it just looked so ridiculous. And I thought that was where they jumped the shark. But then, you know, a couple of years later, the mask singer came out and yeah. that just completely <laughs> proved me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> where it's just like, why does this show even exist? So I'm definitely with you on there with you there. Um, but I also want to comment like I do have Pluto TV on my on my TV, but I've rarely opened it, but the times <laughs> I have, it's really fun to look around because they have, like you said, there's a star Stargate channel, but I feel like they have a walking dead channel that just shows <laughs> walking sure. dead episodes all Why day. Not? I think, I feel like there's an impractical jokers channel. Like there's a lot of just fun stuff you can hunt down on there. And I, I never think to put it on, but I should probably do that a little more often. Well, I just saw the article and was like, wait, this is Stargate channel. How do I get this? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wait, free? Done. Like, I own all the DVDs for the entire run of Stargate. It's just weird to me that, like, but that's, and this is the laziness in our generation our, and in the world we live in now is, oh, I got to put a thing in. <laughs> I got to I gotta turn on the machine Absolutely. and put a disc in the thing. Um, but I could just run it. That's awesome. That just takes a lot of the work out of this equation. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's been kind of fun. The, uh, um, the other thing that I watched, I watched it this morning. Like I said, this is going, this is going long. But I watched the bubble this morning. Um, oh, cool! I that's didn't know the that movie. That's, that's it's on Netflix. That's the movie about the uh, actors who go into like the bubble during COVID, and they try and film a movie to keep content going for entertainment because everyone's trapped in their little bubbles at home, and they just they're trying to entertain the world in a horrible crisis that we're going through, right? So. Yeah. There's a couple COVID centric jokes, but ultimately it's they're in a quarantine trying to shoot a movie. The whole movie's under quarantine, so they're trying to as a whole quarantine and get the movie made on set and live in this like hotel and shoot at the same time. Um the movie is absolutely hysterical. And they know and they're making Cliff Beasts six, and they know that these are not good movies. But they're still trying their best to make, like, really good quality movies. <laughs> right. And it is so, so funny um, to watch because there's so many great behind-the-scenes jokes. And then 
there's a guy that they tell him, like, you're going to film all the behind the scenes bonus features for the movie. So when we release the DVD or the extras release online or whatever, you have you're getting all the behind the scenes stuff. So he's walking around filming the whole thing. But the whole like I'm I'm going to spoil this part because I don't feel like it spoils the movie at all. The whole thing breaks down, like the whole thing becomes like this giant shit show. They never actually finish making the movie. The whole thing's a complete disaster. Um, (laughs) And then during the end credits, you watch Beasts of the Bubble, the documentary of the breakdown of Cliff B6. (laughs) Oh, nice. And they're all showing up for the big (laughs) premiere. They're all showing up for the big premiere of the documentary. And the documentary is this big, wildly popular thing because the guy who was shooting all the behind the scenes footage put it all together and released it as a feature film. (laughs) Nice. Um, It's so meta. It's such a meta movie and it's so hilarious. And like they put like this great cast together and there's a lot of cameos, too, that you're going to be like, whoa, he's in this. Oh, my gosh. They got him. Like, it's really funny, dude. Uh, Check it out. That's awesome. It's really, really good. And like I said, I remember I really don't think that spoils the movie at all. But they they were Judd Apatow was real smart when he put this movie together. So Um, I remember talking about the trailer for this movie and I remember saying that. I feel like the behind the scenes aspects of this movie would be interesting in general, just to know, like, how accurate is this movie to, like, actually being on a green screen set and stuff like that? And also, like, what is it like to film a movie during quarantine? But the fact that they focus on, like, that aspect in the credits of this movie where there's, like, the, you know, fake documentary aspect of it. It's, uh, it's, that's just really funny in, like, a super meta way. So, this sounds awesome. I'll definitely have to check it out soon and let you know what I think. Yeah, it's, it's, I was really, really impressed. And I, there was never a point where I was bored. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And they have, like, the one, the younger star. She's known for her, like, her TikToks and stuff. And she does a couple TikToks in the thing. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's hilarious. And then there's a moment where they're all like. They're all like partying at one point and they're like, let's go make a TikTok. And then you get to see the TikTok they make. It's just it's hilarious, man. Like the whole thing is really funny. So, nice. uh, yeah, check it out. <laughs> Judd Apatow was really smart when he made this movie. Um, uh, so, yeah, that ends my watching and reading for uh, the short time that we were away from each other. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, the reason we are recording early is because I'm about to get on an airplane and make the Mecca down to Galaxy's Edge and go to Walt Disney World and see the Star Wars park. Finally. Um, so I'll have a full report when I get back. Um, I'm just excited. I'm like one day away from getting on an airplane. So uh, that's why we're recording a little early this week. Um <laughs> But uh, you want to talk about the news? Yeah. Yeah, let's cool. go for it. All right, let's go for the news. Let's do a couple quick hit type stuff. Um, first off, Disney Plus has a uh, new show starting um, on May 11th. Um, it's called The Quest. Um, okay. I'm really one concer- curious about what this is. I didn't read too heavily into it because part of me wanted to be a little surprised. It's got like this uh, – mid- the poster has this like medieval – King Arthur looking kind of a fantasy thing, but it also has yeah. some regularly dressed people at the same time. Um, and it says the tagline says real teens fantasy world epic competition. It makes me wonder, but it's also from the producers of the amazing race and the Lord of the Rings. Um, it makes me wonder <laughs> what this is. 
um, because just the poster alone makes me think, oh, Disney's trying their crack at a fantasy series with the with you know Game of Thrones and that kind of thing. But it also looks like they're trying to bank on the resurgence, this big like. I don't want to say resurgence, but this big overwhelming like need for the world to be playing Dungeons and Dragons right now going, oh, this is a cool thing. Let's capitalize on it. And it makes me wonder if there's a like an element of like a game aspect to it. So it comes out. May yeah, 11th. That's... it comes out May 11th. I just I don't know much and I didn't want to read into it because I thought maybe I'll just check it out and be surprised. So. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does sound really interesting. And I, I don't know if it's. um. <laughs> Yeah, based on the description, I don't know if this is a scripted show. And like you said, I don't know if it's like full on fantasy or if it's a scripted show about, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or uh, LARPing or something like that. Or is this like some weird reality LARPing game show sort of thing? But sounds kind of cool. <laughs> it yeah. looks pretty cool. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. I, I guess. know, right? Um, OK, so we talked. Uh, we didn't talk really about the big. We talked about, in my opinion, the big slap at the Oscars last week with the Snyder Cut and uh, Army of the Army of the Dead winning Oscars. Um, but the slap that everybody else seems to be talking about is the Will Smith Chris Rock situation. Right. I didn't really touch base on it because I really didn't think I needed to say a word <laughs> because everybody else seems to be weighing in. And what is my opinion on this? The thing that I found interesting is that Will Smith is re- resigning from the Academy. Um, <laughs> He said that my actions at the 94th Academy Awards presentation were shocking, painful, and inexcusable. So I'm resigning from membership in the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and will accept any further consequences the board deems appropriate. Um, I'm really wondering what that is about. Um, If it's like a forced resignation or he's doing it on his own or I really don't know. I don't I just think that's that whole like the way that's worded is weird. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I just wanted to bring it up that Will Smith is no longer part of the Academy because I just thought that was an interesting beat in the story. So it, it almost, to me, it almost seems like Will Smith's like trying to sort of like cover, cover his butt before he can have any like controversy that he's going to have to face. Cause I remember like, I think it was the day after the Oscars, he already released a statement apologizing for it. And now there's this. And like, I've seen as far as like the actual slap goes, I've seen two opinions online about it. And it might be just the circles that I kind of (laughs) see a lot of opinions from online, but I've seen a lot of people who think it's hilarious and want to joke about it. And a lot of people who think it was staged. But the one thing I haven't seen is the public outcry to, like, ban Will Smith or anything like that. And maybe I'm just not looking at the right (laughs) Twitter profiles or something. But I it's almost like it almost feels unwarranted because I don't know that anybody was that offended by it. But maybe, again, I might just be in an echo chamber. I don't know if you've seen, like people calling for like drastic cancellations of Will Smith or anything like that. Well, I don't, I I think cancel culture by itself is wrong. Um, Right. Right. In in a general sense. So like the, just the term you've been canceled or whatever, I think that's, it's, it's too much. It, It takes like that, that whole thing takes freedom away from this free world that we live in. You know, when you, (laughs) you know, um, 
Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I guess, like, I, from my perspective, it seems like Will Smith is canceling himself. Yeah. But I'm not yeah. seeing, like, this public outcry for that to happen. Well, the so way- that's why I feel like he's trying to, like, jump the gun and, like, do it before anybody can say anything about it or something. This is a weird... We could be on this topic all night, so I don't... <laughs> which is probably why we didn't talk about it in the first yeah, place and it's one of the reasons why i didn't bring it up before it's just I'm gonna bring yeah. up the resignation part of it the thing that i think is interesting is that the world in general when you listen to the people talk it seems like they have will smith's back over chris rock like it's like chris rock was in the wrong and i think the fact that they're backing the guy who committed the assault and battery. <laughs> um, that's wrong. You yeah, know what I mean, like that's that's the wrong part. Like you shouldn't be backing the guy that caused that did the actual battery part of the action. Chris Rock made a joke. He's a comedian. Yep. He went out there to make a joke. He didn't mean to, you know, his I, his intention was to not like upset Jada Pinkett Smith that much. But you know, he's. I, I mean, maybe, seen maybe he shouldn't. Of, have, maybe he shouldn't have made the joke, but Will Smith definitely should not have gotten up and slapped him in front of the world. You know, like yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's I, I, so. I've seen a number of I've seen a number of comedians make the same argument too, and like I kind of I'm one of the people who's more in line with like everything's okay if it's said for humor's sake, you know, <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. So I honestly didn't yeah. mind. And I think it's like wrong to assault somebody over a joke, but yeah, it's just a, yeah, you're right. This is a big issue. We could yeah. really well, get this into is, This is going to continue. This is going to continue to play out and get weirder as we go. So let's just put it under the carpet for right now. <laughs> um, I just thought it was interesting that he's resigning. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, not from acting, just from the Academy. Um, okay, yeah. couple quick hits. Uh, the Crow reboot is revived. Um, oh, man, okay. With, with Bill Skarsgård will be playing the lead role. Um, uh, the new adaptation of the comic The Crow is moving forward with Bill Skarsgård. Rupert Sanders, who delivered the audience's Snow White and the Huntsman and Ghost in the Shell, is slated to direct the picture uh, from a script by Zach Balin, who recently wrote the Oscar-winning nominated King Richard. Um, I'm down with the writer, sure. Wow. I'm down with the writer, yeah. sure. Um, as a director, I didn't watch Snow White and the Huntsman, but I really enjoyed Ghost in the Shell. Um, so, and the Skarsgårds in general are pretty good actors, so I'm down. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily hear any bad there. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, I think Bill Skarsgård. Um... I think facially, like, I think he has a look where he could he could pull off the crow for sure. Sure. Um, And he is a good actor. So, like, this is really the thing about the crow reboot is that, like, I've been hearing about this movie for years and I know it's been in pre-production hell for a long time. Like, there's been different actors and directors signed on to this. There was a period of period of time where uh jason momoa was going to be starring in the crow and stuff like that and uh it's one of those things where when you brought this up i was just like oh they're gonna try to do this again because you know everything i've heard up until this point seemed like this movie was you know dead on arrival but 
then you started naming the people involved in it. And it's just like, okay, so the director seems solid. The writer seems solid. The main actor seems like a great choice. I feel like I'm on board with this, but I, everything else is telling me not to be, you know, <laughs> that right. sort of thing. Right. No, I totally hear you. Um, I don't know. I just figured I'd say, hey, we got a, we got the crow coming back. I just feel like the crow is one of those cursed productions, you know, like yeah. after the original crow and what happened with Brandon Lee. And then they do the crow, too. It wasn't the best movie. And then we haven't had the crow, but they've been talking about it for so long. I feel like this is a doomed movie to begin with. But. You never yeah, that's know. That's an interesting could, way to look at it. it. It also could be the greatest thing to hit cinemas ever. <laughs> so. But I, I will say this. I will say this. If you pay attention to the state of pop culture and um, like the music world and stuff, I feel like right now the crow might be the perfect property to come out because I know like like I know like on TikTok like emo culture is like coming back and there's just all these. I feel like the youth of today might latch onto the crow right now and maybe I'm. Maybe I'm just assuming too much, but I feel like it could be good timing for a Crow reboot right now. And I don't know if you agree with me, Drew, but I just I'm, no, I think it I, could work. It it could work. And that's a really good point in terms of what the pop culture world is doing. So, yeah, yeah. You know, you might be around to something. OK, let's talk Marvel real quick. We got a couple two Marvel stories, DC stories and then off to the list. Um, So. Disney Plus reveals that Moon Knight takes place after the events of Hawkeye, um, which is really good to know. That kind of puts us into a perspective because Hawkeye was the last thing to happen before uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Right. 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 And that, so we watched Hawkeye, Spider-Man No Way Home. Moon Knight takes place after Hawkeye. So it probably happens either right alongside Spider-Man No Way Home or maybe right after Spider-Man No Way Home. If you think about like just story beats. Um, yeah. But that's good to know in terms of where it fits into the world, since, you know, you have one guy saying it's not connected, but you have the other guy saying it very much is connected. And us as Marvel fans know better and everything's connected. So. Uh, <laughs> right on. So, yeah. So that's I just wanted to bring that up. Um, and then I found this interesting. Um, Anthony Russo. Not Anthony Russo, Joe Russo, uh, one of the. Anthony Russo and Joe Russo are the ones that directed uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, right? Joe Russo, in an interview with comicbook.com, he said that Avengers Endgame, he says that Marvel never had a set plan for the MCU. Interesting. I have, and I've said this before, (laughs) there's an interview that Chris Hardwick on the Nerdist podcast did with Kevin Feige asking him if there was a plan. And Kevin Feige said originally, no, they were just making movies and throwing in little Easter eggs to make him connected because they are a part of the same comic book universe. And why not? There was no plan to do the Avengers. And then they started talking about doing the Avengers. After the success of the original Avengers film, Chris Hardwick had Kevin Feige back on his show and Kevin Feige retracted his statement saying, no, we always had a plan. And <laughs> right. it always bothered me that he said that. Now, I don't know the episode number and I'd have to go dig it back up. But um, I, I just I thought those were really interesting counterpoints. Anthony uh, Joe Russo said in his interview, this is the way it works at Marvel. And I'm sure at some point somebody will talk in detail about this. But part of Kevin Feige's brilliance is that there isn't any real plan. Um, there's an idea, but you can't have a plan if the movie you're making tanks. There's no plan after that, right? So it's really about 
as the movie succeeded. So it sounds like as long as the movie succeeds, they move forward. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, hey, we mm-hmm. have these ideas that we want to do, and as long as the movies keep making money, we're going to keep going. Right. But they're not yeah, that like, makes sense. But it's not like, hey, you have to put this into your script, and you have to put this into this script, and you have to make sure your script lines up with these other two movies so we can do this. It sounds like they're just making movies, and Kevin Feige's going, hey, by the way, this thing did a thing. You need to make sure this is in this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which that's not really planning so much as is going, okay, you see what's in the script here? Make sure that's referenced over here. Even if it's a line of dialogue, that's not really a plan. That is kind of making it to the seat of your pants if you think about it. <laughs> um, yeah. I just thought well, that was I interesting. Think Any thoughts on that? Or I'm kind of curious if it's one of those things where there is sort of like a loose plan or outline and they have all these big events and things that they really need to keep on the table and they know that like this is where we're headed but they give their directors a lot of freedom and their writers a lot of freedom and they're like this is the direction you're headed but you do have freedom with the characters and the events that take place within your movie and if this movie flops or like let's say they wanted to make some character really important and it turns out you know, the fans didn't really like that character. They realized like, oh, well, we're going to have to use this character to do that thing in the future instead. If that makes oh. sense. I feel like it's hard to word, but I guess maybe I, I feel like because of how well, like the first three phases or what are we on phase four of Marvel right now? We are currently in phase four. Yeah. So the, the way the first three phases played out and how well and succinct everything felt, I really think there's got to be some sort of plan. Like, I feel like it there's got to be more to it than just making good movies. But I also feel like they got to be giving their directors a lot of freedom and stuff, because we've heard quotes like this from other sources as well. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It seems like yeah. they're really allowing their creatives you know the freedom they need but they also they've got to have some sort of idea where they're going at the same time i would like to think they do but and that's the thing when they all say we've been planning this whole thing or it's all planned out when they make those statements and then you have a director from one of the most successful of the movies and you're at the end of the movie saying there's no plan that's weird to me. <laughs> um so <laughs> but maybe and maybe it's like there is a pretty uh you know, a pretty succinct plan of everything going on, but they make their directors and writers feel like there isn't a plan. And maybe that's the best plan of all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause then their, their creative teams don't feel micromanaged, but they actually are in a weird way. And I don't know how you pull that off, but maybe Kevin know. Feige knows the secret to that. I know. Um, okay. Um, HBO's Batgirl movie has wrapped filming. Oh, nice. Um, So that's awesome. Batgirl's on the way. This is the part that makes me curious. In a world where we're moving, where they keep talking about Warner Brothers doesn't want to do the Snyderverse. And we had the Batman release with um, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, who was amazing as Commissioner Gordon. He should have been Commissioner Gordon years ago. Jeffrey Wright is black, right? The new Batgirl... I don't know what her ethnic background is, but she's got a darker skin tone, so I would say she's black, right? So in the realm of her being the daughter of Commissioner Gordon, that tracks for me, right? 
Yeah. According to this, J.K. Simmons is going to be reprising his role as Commissioner Gordon. Now, J.K. Simmons in the movie could have a black wife. That's not what I'm talking about. The issue is that J.K. Simmons is Commissioner Gordon in the Zack Snyder film. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, that seems really weird that they're going to do that, like, jump. Like, he's going to be playing Commissioner Gordon. Michael Keaton be reprising his role as Batman. So this does this take place after The Flash? because of the Michael Keaton connection. Like I'm really confused as to how this all fits together because of what they just said. Um, and we don't know yet, but um, I'm just bringing it up in the realm of something to think about. It's going to be something we can discuss as we learn more, but I'm kind of curious to where this all falls into place because right now the DC multiverse feels really weird and clunky, but we haven't seen the flash film yet. So. Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> I don't really know what to add to it besides everything you've said, but yeah, it is like, we're going to have to wait and see, I guess for whatever reason, I always assumed this Batgirl movie was going to be part of the DCEU as opposed to like the Matt Reeves universe or whatever. But yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. I just, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I feel like you kind of stumped me because I don't know where else to go with this one besides everything you said right there. (laughs) Because finding this story kind of led me to this story. Um, DC Comics Unlimited, uh, which I follow on Instagram, posted this this past weekend. After I saw the Batgirl article, I saw this. They have, and this is not an article, this is not actual news, it's just them basically pointing an opinion to create a discussion, and it's a phenomenal discussion. I didn't read through the discussion because I figured it'd be better for you and I to discuss a little bit. It's basically, let's talk, the Flash movie could make or break the DCEU. One, replacing Henry Cavill with Sasha, that's the girl playing Supergirl. Two, making yeah. the Spider-Verse canon. Three, Black Flash is supposed to be the villain. Four, Michael Keaton is going to replace Ben Affleck. Five, still have time for reshoots, and six, a possible crisis event will happen. Then they say this. this is, there's two ways to look at this if it's true. The first way is we need, we need a new Batman and Superman. The second way is after the merger and they let the movie play out the crisis, could let Snyder come back with Henry and Ben to do the crisis. There also could be change of the WB, hoping that would put Cyborg and Superman in the Flash movie, if not set to come out till 2023, that would be mind-blowing. Which way do you think this is going to go? So ultimately what they're saying is because of Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill situation, using Michael Keaton and Sasha, I can't remember her last name, to replace them as the Batman slash Superman characters, that's one way this turns out. Or this is going to lead to a crisis event, which DC is known for doing, which would create would make the Snyderverse canon, and then Zack Snyder would be invited back to do the Crisis event, which I'm going to tell you, I'm down for the him coming back to do the Crisis event. But that's me. <laughs> I I think that'd be awesome as well. It would be one of those things where by the time that happens, enough time would have passed that it would just be so exciting to see Zack Snyder return to the helm of DC again and to have like this huge crisis event to bring it, bring to us all. That sounds really awesome. Um, it's kind of hard to know where to go with this one too, besides just like, yeah, the flash movie is going to be, it sounds like it's going to be just really ground shaking for the DC extended universe. And 
it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And is this something that audiences are going to embrace or not? And uh, yeah, I don't know. This is one like I feel like the whole story was only a few sentences, but there's just so many different <laughs> angles to comment on that from, you know, I know. What I, mean? <laughs> I know. And the idea of going, well, the movie did get held back. Does that mean they're bringing in Cyborg and Henry Cavill for doing reshoots and adding them into the movie because of what the concept of the movie is? Um, right. That's shocking. Um, so I think the Flash movie is shaping up to be something that we've been really, really hoping for. And I think it's going to really answer a lot of the DC EU questions as this builds. So... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's it'll answer a lot of questions, but it's going to create a lot more at the same time. <laughs> so, well, the, the more questions, the more eternal conversation we have, and that's what's important, right? <laughs> right on. Uh, how about this? That's it for the news. So, why don't we talk about the list? Does that sound good to you? Yeah, sounds awesome. Cool. All right. So, since we're moving into list territory, let's take a small breather you and I while we roll the thing. Okay, Peter. Yeah. Um, so, welcome back. Um, here we are for time to discuss 2021 as a year. Um, the, Oscars, <laughs> the Oscars happen. I say that because the Oscars happen, and we always wait till the Oscars are over before we discuss the movies for the year. And here we are. It's 2021, or it's 2022, time to look back at the year. Um, the best picture was Coda. We talked a little bit about it last week because the Oscars hit. Um, I have not seen Coda yet, so I can't talk about it tonight. And going back to say, where can I watch it? Coda is on Apple TV, which yeah. made me realize when I started putting this list together, I was like, I know I saw a lot of movies this year. Wait a minute. There are way more movies than I knew came out. And what blew <laughs> my mind is that so many of them are on streaming platforms that it made it difficult to see a lot of these. And so I can only speak to the 31 that I saw. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like the well, I, I, of movies that released, I only saw 31 movies. So for the sake of 2021, these are my favorites. Sure. But I haven't, but I guarantee I have not and probably won't see a lot of them that I missed because of the streaming service issue, you know? So, yeah. And I, feel yeah, I like, think, um, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, well, I think, uh, where to even start. Okay. So like, I've only seen 30 films this year. <laughs> so I was kind of surprised. I thought you're going to have like way more than me. Cause I feel like I didn't watch a lot of movies this year, but I think, uh, yeah, it is weird where all these movies are releasing on different streaming services and it's really dividing. You have to divide your attention where it's like, yeah, I really want to see this movie, but I just don't have that streaming service and there's absolutely nothing else I want to watch out there. And I think it's interesting having a best picture winner coming from Apple. Is it Apple Plus or Apple TV? I can't remember the name of that app, but it's, it's Apple I, TV, but there's a plus sign in the logo, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Well, yeah, but it's it's one of those things where that uh that app, uh, Apple TV Plus Max, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> I think they I think they really need like a Game of Thrones level show that everybody's like addicted to for them to like for everybody to adopt that platform. Because I personally don't know like very many people at all who have Apple TV, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff we're missing on there right now at the same time. So. Yeah. And I also feel like back in the day there used to, cause you know, when we talk about like, when we do like a year, like 96 and I'm like, I saw a hundred and some movies that year. I feel like there was only one outlet at one point, you know, you, you rented the movie, <laughs> bring home, you went to the theater, you, you know, there was only like really one place you got access to movies. And now there are hundreds of places to get access to movies. Yeah. some places you don't even know. You're just like, where's that movie from? You know? So unfortunately i've only seen 31 movies to talk to about tonight you know so <laughs> of the, the movies i saw in 21 these are my favorites and i have a feeling that this is going to be the norm going forward when we hit the oscar season and time to discuss so yeah yeah so we might oscar want to revisit the... some of these like 2020 films at some point maybe revisit these lists after we get a chance to see some of these other movies so yeah and i think it's um Listening to what you just said, I think it's like interesting that I think the Oscars are going to start becoming a what do I need to watch as opposed to, you know, what actually won each award. You know, it's more like, well, I haven't heard of any of this stuff, so I'm going to start taking notes and figure what I figure out what I need to watch for the next (laughs) month or two. Um, But you're also making me think of uh, on Netflix, for example, they're releasing new movies and shows like every week. And it's one of those things where you might log into Netflix and, uh, you know, the first thing might be the new movie that comes out that day. And it's like your first suggested thing. But if you logged in, if you didn't log in at that exact time, you might have never seen that movie. You know what I mean? Like if you waited the next day or a week later, it would just not have been on the feed at all. (laughs) That's how fast things come out and are kind of forgotten in this world we live in. Yeah. And the, um, and it just, there's, too much to keep up with, in my opinion. But hey, yeah, um, you know that's that's why we have Cliff B six, you know, like that's stuff. Like that. <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, any rate, uh, let's. I have two honorable mentions. Um, okay. So I don't know what you do, but um, I, I I have two. I I missed what you how many you said. This is kind of a. I have two. This is kind of a. Okay. Uh, joint list because this replaces a pick if you will um so i don't really care who goes first any thoughts um yeah i don't i don't really care <laughs> i'll go first doesn't really matter okay um, so my first <laughs> mention is cruella um this um movie really really surprised me i have a feeling a lot of our reviews are going to be short because we've talked about them throughout the year um but cruella yeah. Um, this movie really, really surprised me. I was really blown away by it. Um, and, um, everyone should check it out. If you haven't like go on Disney plus, watch it. It was, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. Um, I still haven't seen this one for whatever reason. (laughs) And I've had people call me crazy for not watching it yet, but, uh, yeah, I guess it's just, I don't have a lot of friends who got really into this movie and I just didn't, I kind of just missed it. But uh, it it did look good, and I do want to watch it, and I do hear really good things. I just haven't seen this one yet. Right. Um, um, okay, man, go ahead. 
So um, I can move into my first honorable mention, which I went with uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, uh, the second movie in the Venom series. I feel like we gave a pretty extensive review to it on the show before, so I won't go super in depth. But this movie I just thought was a really fun time. It's a crazy action sci-fi romp. Um, We all kind of, I feel like, know what to expect from uh, a Venom movie, but I just thought... uh, Tom Hardy and uh, Woody Harrelson just knocked it out of the, out of the park. Like Woody Harrelson's Carnage, I thought was really fun. Even though I know some people weren't super stoked um, on like his voice. Well, I can't remember if if he did the voice or really. Carnage didn't really talk as much as he does. Like that's Carnage, true. Carnage was more of a monster in this movie, and in the comics, mm-hmm. Carnage has a lot of dialogue. And so he didn't talk as much in the movie as he would have if this was straight off the page comic book. Yeah. My my only criticism with Carnage was the fact that I wanted more because eventually we all want Spider-Man Venom Carnage. Crazy. Oh, absolutely. So, um, (laughs) yeah. Well, I guess um, what I was getting at is I've most of the criticisms I've heard of uh, this movie is just people not liking Woody Harrelson's presence as a uh, carnage or maybe even more so Cletus Cassidy. And a lot of the complaints I've just heard is like had to do with like people never picturing Woody Harrelson's voice as Cletus Cassidy, like while, while reading a <laughs> Spider-Man comic or whatever, which is kind of an interesting criticism, but uh, either way, I just thought this movie was really awesome. Um, and it had really awesome visuals too. One other thing I wanted to touch on is uh, I saw a Twitter post recently going around that had some, uh, storyboarding like some kind of like storyboarding that ended up not making it into the film for uh for this movie and uh at the end scene or the the last fight scene when it's like venom and carnage duking it out in the church i guess there was uh there was going to be a lot of like really cool religious imagery like there was uh one of the storyboards depicted carnage um and the symbiote suit or the symbiote was kind of in the shape of a uh it made him almost look like the pope as far as like his silhouette and stuff and that looked pretty wicked and then there was another part where it showed carnage kind of had venom in like almost like a headlock sort of thing and he was like swirling his tongue around venom's head (laughs) and the tongue was looking like a crown of thorns if you will and it just looked really wicked and it was kind of like man, I wish we had that because that just looks (laughs) super wicked and cool. But I understand that that uh, imagery can be pretty divisive or among like a big superhero movie audience, too. So but I just thought that was really interesting. Um, And nonetheless, I think the imagery and the awesome was pretty, pretty epic either way. So, Um, well, my next one I'll mention is Black Widow. Um, okay, I, nice. I really wish this movie came out way sooner. Um, I was really happy with it. I'm really excited to see where it goes with um, Yelena and the new Black Widow stuff. Um, and, you know, when it led into Hawkeye, the way it connected to everything. Um, I re- and I also really think you have to watch through the majority of the movies and then use Black Widow as a flashback movie because of it's the bonus scenes that really put that movie where you're supposed to watch it, if you will. Um, but yeah, I really, I really liked this movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it made it, it was, it was a hard not putting on the list, but we'll talk about that as we go through. So that was fine. (laughs) 
Well, so this one I, I thought was going to be on your final list. Um, I'm actually pretty surprised about it. Um, but this movie's awesome. It made my short list. It didn't make my final, but it is a really, really good movie. And the weirdest part about this movie was putting my list together and being like, wait, that movie came out this year? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Black Widow, I feel like it came out so long before 2021, but it's just that it was supposed to, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, man, what's your um, second honorable mention? Yeah, my second honorable mention is uh, it's a total cheat because it's actually a trio of films, and that's the uh, Fear Street trilogy that was on Netflix. Um, so that's Fear Street 1994, 1978, and 1666. Um, and this is just an awesome, you know, it's kind of like an awesome teenage uh slasher slash supernatural story that starts out in 1994 and uh sequentially recedes further into time as you find out the you know the rest of the story so the third movie is actually in 1666 where it's back in time you end up kind of learning the mysteries of all the uh weird supernatural and horror based stuff that's going on and this this series was just so fun. Like it felt like such an event watching it. Cause it was released over three weeks around Halloween, I believe. And it was so fun to uh, watch each movie and uh, the discussion in it on, uh, or the discussion about it online and stuff. It was just a really, really cool little bit of an event. And it's, this is one of the, this is like a film series is one of the, pieces of media I think I had the most fun with over the last year and it definitely had sure. to make the list but it's an honorable mention because this is more of a mini series actually than it than it is a uh, movie if you will so there you go yeah I got gotcha. you and I still haven't watched it so I have no comment <laughs> um, at this point you might as well like wait till next Halloween probably but yeah when you're in the mood for that sort of thing it's it's a really fun like really cool uh, little series there so good all right so my next one my, so my first actual pick of the night is free guy um this movie felt so new and different than the normal even though it didn't feel new and different than the normal like it was a complete breath of fresh mm -hmm. it was it i think really kind of showed you what gaming culture really is and not just like you know I feel like there's too many people out there when you talk about video games, all they think about is Tetris and Mario and Legend of Zelda. They don't understand that there's a whole culture that exists, like a, that the culture of your Call of Duties and Fortnites and Halos and World of Warcrafts and, um, you know, Elder Scrolls and like those bigger games, those games, those games run the world. And there's a whole culture there that's connected with the internet when you throw in the YouTubers and stuff, this movie just really represented that in probably the best way possible. And it was just such a, it was such a fun movie to watch. And it's, it's a movie that really sits with you even like when you're not one on repeat views, but also just the idea of God, this movie was so good, man. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It just a breath of fresh air. Loved it. Top to bottom. Just really good movie. So yeah, this movie was awesome. This movie almost like this movie was barely edged out of my list by a couple of different things. But it's such a good movie. It's not only is it funny and cool and like an awesome, like action packed, just really cool meta movie about video games. But it also has that sort of Truman show level of like this movie's 
is going to be like a weird benchmark for me moving forward. And it's one of those movies that I always think about and like, you know, what, what if we are in a video game and I just don't know it right now. And, you know, everybody's got to question themselves. Like, are you an NPC or are you one of the sunglasses characters? And uh, if you're not one of the sunglasses characters, what are you going to do about that? You know, but this movie was, it was great. And I just like that. It's not only is it just hilarious and awesome, but it's, it's one of those things that it's really fun to continue to think about as uh, time goes on. Yep. Yep. All right, man. What's your first pick for the night? Right on. So my first pick is uh, I went with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, And this is this is a movie that I saw in theaters and uh, I actually saw it like during the craze of Spider-Man No Way Home. And it was kind of cool to see it in an empty cinema for a change because (laughs) everybody was off seeing Spider-Man and uh, I saw it kind of like the same week as that. And it was just kind of cool to have that lonely theater to myself. But, uh, you know, I went with to this movie with my wife and my son and uh, my son just got absolutely enamored with Ghostbusters and seeing this since seeing this movie, it's been like nonstop Ghostbusters stuff in our household, which has been, such a fun time to just always have either the original two Ghostbusters on the TV or um, Ghostbusters Afterlife, because, you know, we had to buy it as soon as it came out. And uh, the more I watch this movie, I think it's I think it's just a really good continuation of that franchise. Like, I think they did a good job of giving you familiar territory and uh, making you you know, giving something for the old time fans to to grab onto while introducing new characters and stuff. And I love that everything was handled with a lot of reverence and respect for the original series while also giving us something new. Uh, that's something I feel that the uh, 2016 Ghostbusters movie uh, kind of failed on pretty badly. But uh, no, this movie, it's just awesome like it's really cool and i can't wait to see what they do next so there you go this movie made my short list it's such a wonderful like actual continuation of the story (laughs) yeah yeah exactly with people who understand the assignment (laughs) if you will (laughs) um so and not that they that the other ones didn't but it's just the idea of understanding it's the fact that I felt like the other one seemed like Saturday Night Live was making a Ghostbusters movie as opposed to right. the go the team, the Ghostbusters team making a Ghostbusters movie. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. So my next one for the night, I know these are going to be quick reviews because we've been talking about them all year. But yeah, uh, my next one is Don't Look Up. I nice. absolutely loved this movie from beginning to end. It, this is such a special movie. This is so true to life. This fits in the realm of idiocracy and things like office space. And like this, this movie is more of a documentary than anything else. Um, and people really, I think, I think there's not enough people that understand how to differentiate that this was a work of fiction versus nonfiction. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that, yes, it's a work of fiction, but this movie really is about where we currently are. And everyone needs to take a real hard look. Around. Watch the movie. Take a real hard look around at the world they live in. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so the fiction versus nonfiction comment, I had to, like, laugh extra hard at that because the problem is there's certain 
different political figures and media figures and stuff within this movie that have direct representations in real life. <laughs> so that's right. why it's like, it is hard to, uh, you know, to see past like the truth and fiction with this movie, but I loved this movie. This movie really took me to by, by surprise. It was really entertaining, but it really made you think. And, um, I think even though I really love Idiocracy, one of the things that I think this movie did better is it's really easy to watch Idiocracy and kind of laugh at how stupid people are. But when watching this movie, it kind of, to me, pointed out how both sides of the political spectrum are kind of equally stupid. And I feel like it's a movie that you watch and you it makes you kind of second guess where you sit with things and uh I mean, hopefully make you view things in a more thought out way, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like it's something that you watch and it questions your own beliefs, which I think is a really powerful thing. And uh, I just think this movie is, you know, in that like sort of political, like world changing way. It is a very important film, but it's at the same time, it's just a good film overall. Like, it's hilarious. There's a really good story. It's frustrating, but in the best way where you start to really identify with the characters and, uh, yeah, this is just a great pick. So awesome. (laughs) Um, all right, dude, what's your next one? Okay. So my next one, uh, my number four pick for the night, which it might be a little low on my list for a lot of people, but I went with Spider-Man no way home. Um, Mm. and we gave such an extensive review of this movie before that. I don't know what else to say. But this movie was so the movie's just awesome. (laughs) Yeah, this movie was so good. This um, I feel like this as well as Fear Street are the two movies I saw this past year that felt like event films. Like it felt like there was these huge groups of people who are going to see them and uh, talking about it relentlessly online and stuff. And uh, it's hard to know what to say, but Spider-Man No Way Home did a multiverse film so well that it's kind of like, and I hate to say it, but it's like the ball's in your court now, DC. Like, are you going to show us, you know, are you going to step it up with the Flash or is Spider-Man No Way Home like the best we're going to get? And I really, I can't wait to find out what DC gives us, but it's also like, and I, this is the last thing I would normally say, but DC really has to prove us wrong. Like, can you beat Spider-Man No Way Home with the new Flash movie? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, they really do. And um, I feel and I feel bad for DC because of how it, the timing of how it all rolled. Yep, out. absolutely. You know, I just feel bad for them because they were very clear about what they were doing. And then Marvel's like, oh, get that done real quick. Get that done. You well, know? and the, the Flash movie has <laughs> been in production in pre-production health or it was in pre-production hell for so long, too, yep. that it was kind of like the cat was out of the bag like years ago and it's just taken DC too long to put it together. Maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm <laughs> with you on that, but yeah, look, look at the end of the day, Spider-Man no way home was awesome period. End of, <laughs> you know, so it was just an awesome movie. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So my next one, um, is, uh, the Snyder cut, man, Zack Snyder's justice. League. Awesome. Um, so, uh, this movie, um, is the version we should have gotten. We have talked endless, endless hours of this movie with following it very, very closely with all the pre-production stuff, all the, the fallout, what happened, the story behind the finished product, full, full review on it. 
like this again there is this is the justice league we should have gotten this is the justice league we deserve this is the justice league we deserve going forward but we're gonna have to see how dc plays it out i'm not gonna bore you with more uh rehashing <laughs> my snyder cut review but if you have not watched Zack snyder's justice league you need to stop everything you're doing and go watch it because it's in my opinion one of the most important comic book movies there are because of what happened behind the scenes to get us to it but also um how to make a movie like it's so good so anyway yeah absolutely i don't know what else to say we've said so much about this uh the one thing i will say is this is this is probably the one movie i've seen this year that it's like there's other movies i've seen where i'll want to watch them again but this is the only one that i feel like i need to watch like 20 or 30 more times at least (laughs) because it's so extensive there's so many details i know there's stuff i'm missing like i feel like i've seen the movie between five and ten times at this point but i just haven't watched it enough i haven't had the time to watch it enough but i'm just so glad to see Zack snyder's uh you know dc trilogy if you will come to a close and you know i hope that in the future he gets to do more stuff but this was a glorious thing that we've been wanting on the show and a lot of the fans have been wanting on a lot for a long time and it was just so awesome to finally see yeah i agree so anyway what's your next one for the night man uh my next one is can be pretty short because i went with don't look up actually nice This is so this is my third I figured pick. We were I do match th- a bunch tonight, so <laughs> yeah. This is my third pick. This is maybe one of the few ones that I feel like everyone should watch though, like unquestionably, but yeah, it's only number three as far as my personal favorites for the night. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um so back to me. Um my next one is No Time to Die. Uh the new James Bond film. This is in a world of superhero movies. This was a breath of fresh air. It was something completely different. Um, yeah, it was an action movie, but it was such a well-made, well-written, super fun movie to watch. And it took you to somewhere completely different that you're not used to going. And, um, you know, in a world where, like, almost every movie is a superhero movie, this was just a breath of fresh air. Um, and nice. I, it's one of those movies that hung with me, like, weeks later i was still like god that movie's good you know so yeah just such a good movie definitely one of my favorites of the year so i um i unfortunately haven't seen this one yet so i can't comment but (laughs) um i can unless you had more to say i could move into no that's it like i i gave an extensive review before and it's still like yeah yeah um so my next uh my second to last pick of the night is uh Last Night in Soho, which is the Edgar Wright movie yeah. starring, um, I can't remember the actress's name, but the girl from uh, Queen's Gambit. Yeah, and um, Taylor Joy. Yeah. And uh, this movie is just an awesome, it's one of those things, like, I don't want to spoil anything because there's so many, so much mystery to it, but it's an awesome sort of supernatural um exploration into like a really cool time and place in uh london and it has elements of um i want to say elements of art school confidential because the main character is a girl going to fashion school but there's also just really cool horror elements and um it's just really awesome in the edgar wright in that edgar wright sort of way and not only is it just a really cool um 
horror leaning like thriller sort of movie but it's also has amazing music which i feel like edgar wright always does but the music choices in this movie are amazing as well as just really awesome impress uh impressive uh cinematography and costume work and all that so i don't know have you had a chance to see this one drew yet uh not yet it is on the list of me going hey i need to watch this maybe i'll yeah. watch it tomorrow morning because i'm off work yeah <laughs> if you have a chance, I definitely think you should watch this. I think you would love it. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but uh, I thought this movie was just it's great. Last, top last to bottom. Night in Soho or a night? In... La- last night in Soho. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. I, I for some reason I want to say a night in Soho, but I'm like, no, it's a last night in Soho. Yeah. <laughs> um. Nice. Okay. Um. Well, the um. Uh, my last one for the night, um, which I'll say is probably my favorite one of the year, um, is. Spider-Man No Way Home, man. Oh, nice. Um, the movie is just awesome. When I stack it up against stuff, like, it's literally probably the best movie I saw a year. Probably the most fun I had a movie theater all year long. Lots of surprises. You know, it's just, it's just, a, like, I, there's nothing left to say. It's just awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then, I guess moving into my uh, last pick, I actually went with Zack Snyder's Justice yep, I, League. <laughs> I figured that's what you were going to do. I figured you and I were going to roll on that aspect. Mm-hmm. I, I almost was like, does Snyder Cut make the final bit or not? You know, like, I was trying, like, really trying to, I was racking my brain on it a little bit when I was putting my list together. But I'm like, no, you know, Spider-Man really knocked, really knocked it out of the park for me. Yeah. Um, it, it is hard. There were a lot of really good movies. Like, I feel like any of the last five or six movies that uh, we've mentioned could easily be top spots. Um, For me, like Zack Snyder's Justice League one, this is a movie that like I've been in, like I've been interested since uh, Man of Steel and seeing where Zack Snyder's DC movies were going to go. And I've been interested in seeing what Zack Snyder does with the Justice League since the concept of this movie was announced. But it's also one of those things where if like, if I had to go, if I was on a desert, you know, a deserted island and I had to pick one movie, <laughs> like this movie might be one of the ones I lean towards because it's just that extensive, that good. There's so much to it. Um, it's just awesome. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say. We've talked so much about this, but I think that that concept kind of really got to me when I was putting my list together. So, yeah, um, no, I hear you. Um well, you want to talk about what we're doing next week? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we talked about a very sad topic the other night, uh, last week, about um, Bruce Willis retiring from acting uh, because mm-hmm. he has asphasia. And um, we're never going to get to see Bruce Willis on the camera anymore. And I thought this would be a good time, since we haven't talked about an actor in a little while, to look at the career of Bruce Willis and talk about our favorite Bruce Willis movies. Um, cool. Cool. So that's my pick. So we'll get to roll down that rabbit hole. And I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about Die Hard, for example. But there's <laughs> a lot of really cool movies that uh, he was in outside of Die Hard. So um, and I have a feeling you and I will probably match a bunch, but um, it'll still be a good conversation because it's it's sad to see this happen to anybody. So um, absolutely. I, this is a weird list because I feel like we've already done it. But I don't like we haven't, but it just feels like we have <laughs> You know what I mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying there. So um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so uh, let's uh, we'll talk about Bruce Willis next week. Um, awesome. All right, man. Well, 
everybody do us a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links of all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our email, social media, either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, Apple, or Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. You can re- subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um, you can also uh, leave us a review. We love those five stars, but um, we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be trying to solve the age-old question. Is Paul Bunyan a kaiju? (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) That being said, um, everybody, the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, everyone. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. Thank you.